is still in full effect. Now, God, we pray that you would give us preaching power. Power to preach in a way that will bring your name, glory, and honor. And that will be a blessing to your people. For it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, choir and ushers, for what you are doing. Amen. Thank you so much. I want to revisit Acts chapter 8 and just read a couple of verses, beginning with verse 26. And the text reads, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. I want to preach today with the help of the Holy Spirit, and I do solicit your prayers from the subject, the power of one. Would you say that with me, the power of one? And so this week, when somebody asks you what the preacher preached about, you'll say, the power of one. Amen. To God be the glory. We live in a society and in a world today that often overlooks what God can do in the life of one person, in one church family, and in one ministry that is radically, ridiculously, and remarkably sold out to him. We hear still a great deal of talk these days about mega churches, whatever that is or places that boast enormous uh, attendance on Sunday. Certainly, many of these churches uh, have accomplished some great things on behalf of God, no doubt about it. Some of them are making tremendous strides in kingdom service. But can I tell you something it's not the crowd. It's not the crowd that produces kingdom results. Rather, it's the power of God working in and through the crowd that produces kingdom results. Thus, this morning, the foregone conclusion of the matter is simply this. The same God that empowers masses of people, the same God that empowers armies of people, the same God that empowers multitudes of people can also infuse one person with power in order to bring about mega results. <clears throat> the annals of 
biblical history. And don't you just love biblical history? Just reading your, you know, just reading your Bible, reading about the people of God, the characters that God selected and used in his kingdom building processes. Well, the annals of biblical history are filled with people whose individual attempts to serve God were supersized by God, causing their single efforts to produce gigantic results. When I read this book, I can't help but think about David, a young shepherd boy outmining his father's sheep whom God supersized and, and, and rose him up to be the greatest king of Israel. In fact, when the prophet Samuel saw, uh, saw his brothers and how good they looked and how, how big they were, he was, he was impressed. God said, y'all got to get away. You got to get away from looking at the outward appearance. He said, because God looks at the heart. Can I tell you something, ladies? When you're looking for a man, forget about all the outward. It has its place. But make sure, first of all, he has the character of God. The love of God in his If he's good looking, that's a bonus. Amen, Jesus. But don't let that be the criteria, because I'm going to tell you what, I've been preaching now for over 40 years. I've seen a lot of tears shed behind that very same thing. Make sure he's in, he's in love with God. And brethren, let me tell you something, too. I don't care how fine she is, how good she looks, how sweet she smells. You better make sure that she's in love with Jesus. Because when you leave a house on a long journey or a short journey, you better make sure that the one you leaving behind is in love with Jesus. Ah. <laughs> yeah. David, and David was super sad. But then there was Jonathan. That was David's. David's close friend. The Bible said that there was a brotherly, a godly love between them. And, 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 and God supersized Jonathan. And put him in a position right there with his father. And, and he was great. He was David's, one of his greatest assets. Stood up against his own father who was wrong. And not only was his father, uh, his own father, but his father was a king. And, and, and Jonathan stood up. He said, Daddy. David is right. You wrong. I can't help but think about Esther, name, little Jewish girl named Hadessa. Had no claim to fame, no delusions of grandeur about being anything but Hadessa. But God supersized her and made her queen and used her to preserve a nation of his people, wicked Haman, wanted to kill all the Jews. Mordecai went to Esther and told Esther about it. And she tried to back out at first, but he said, listen, don't you think that you're going to escape 
who knows that you were called to this position for such a time as this? In other words, we need you to step up. And she was supersized. She stepped up. People of God was spared. And, and I think about Joseph down there, uh, and, and, and his brother sold him into slavery. I mean, he was just a young boy with a coat on. No, again, delusions of grandeur, not trying to be anything, be anybody but, but Joseph. But they sold him into slavery. God took him to Egypt, and he supersized him. And he became the number two man in all of Egypt, second only to the king. Now, you don't get to that point, particularly as a, as a foreigner in Egypt. Egypt, unless you've been supersized by God. Well, and, and here's a footnote here. Ain't no need to ask God to supersize you if you ain't doing nothing with the size you got. Preach, Pastor. I mean, I mean, I mean, who in their right mind would take your child to the, to the restaurant that's supersized? I ain't trying to advertise, so I ain't calling no name. And, and you're going to supersize their drink, and they ain't drinking the one they got. You know, supersize their fries, and they can't eat the little pack. Well, our text today is about two men who were supersized by God and as a result of that supersizing, they demonstrated a remarkable power and effectiveness of one, one person. The first man in the text is named Philip. Acts chapter 6, verse 5, lists Philip as one of the original deacons of the church. He was, he was, a, he was a deacon of the church in Jerusalem, but he was a mighty man of God. And Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 8 tell us that Philip had a powerful preaching ministry and healing ministry over in the town of Samaria. He was a deacon, but he was so on fire, he was preaching and teaching and, and healing. And the Bible says there was great joy in that city. Yet, in the twinkling of an eye, Acts 8, 26 reveals an angel of the Lord appeared to Philip and gave him a new job assignment. Now, that would mess some folks up right there. I've been around some pastors, you know, friends of mine. They say, man, I got it so good, I ain't leaving him. But Philip was open to what God said. And so God gave him a new job assignment. The text reads, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. In other words, ain't nothing out there. You in Samaria and things are jumping. You in Samaria, you got a packed house. You in Samaria, you got a crowd to preach to. You in Samaria, and you got it going on, but now won't you go to a desert road and ain't nothing out there. And Philip being an obedient servant of Jesus Christ, not a rebellious servant, but a obedient servant without hesitation arose, and he went just as he had been instructed. But while in route, he encounters the second man in the text. His name is not given, but verse 7 shares a four-point resume on him. First, he is an Ethiopian. That means he's from Africa, y'all. 
he is a, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. He had charge of all her treasury. He was rich. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, on the way home from his worship experience in Jerusalem, the story goes that, that the Ethiopian is sitting up in his chariot. He's reading from the book of Isaiah, the prophet, but simultaneously the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip, telling him to go near the chariot upon which the Ethiopian was riding. So Philip obeyed the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and when he got close to the chariot, he heard the eunuch reading from the book of Isaiah and asked the eunuch, do you understand what you are reading? The eunuch replied in verse 31, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Well, what was he reading? He was reading the words of Isaiah, which states he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who was declared his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. That's what the eunuch was reading. Had no understanding at all about what he read. And validating his lack of spiritual understanding, the eunuch answered Philip in verse 34. Who does the prophet say this of himself or some other man? He's asking, who is this man and what is he talking about? Now, to be sure... Philip is getting ready to make an A++ on this examination. It's kind of like taking a test at school and you, you studied, you prepared, and you, you like, bring it on, I'm ready for this. He's preparing to hit a grand slam. Verse 35 states, then Philip opened his mouth. Notice something here in the structure of the text that a casual glance would overlook. Notice the word then. Then Philip opened his, I like this, mouth. The word then before Philip opening his mouth means that Philip was a good listener. He listened carefully to what the Ethiopian had to say. He paid close attention to the concern of this Ethiopian. He allowed the Ethiopian to completely express himself then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at that scripture, preached Jesus to him. In other words, he was a good listener. And then he met the Ethiopian where he was in the scripture and he began to preach to him. Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch that Isaiah's prophecy was about Jesus, the coming Messiah, about Jesus, the Savior of the world. Preaching Jesus meant that Philip told the eunuch that Jesus had committed no sin, yet was wounded on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. And through the shedding of his precious blood on Calvary, sinners are cleansed and justified before holy God. Philip told the unit that Jesus had been buried, 
But only on the third day Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Philip said that Jesus got up out of the grave with all power in his hands. Philip preached that when Jesus appeared after the resurrection, he said to his disciples, all authority is given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all things, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and do all these things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Verse 36 emphasized, now as they went down the road, they came to some water. They came to some water, and the eunuch said, See here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And notice what he said now. See here is water. You done preached to me. You done told me about Jesus. You done told me that he suffered, bled, and died to save mankind, humanity from their sins. So what hinders me from being baptized? In other words, he's saying this. Is there anything about me that would hinder me from becoming a full-fledged member of the family of God? Y'all going to walk with me today? Look, 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 this is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. Are there any stipulations? Are there any stigmas? Are there any stains? Is there any stuff in me? on me, around me, or about me that prohibits me from being joined up to Jesus. That's what he's saying. He said, I want to know now. Don't, don't, don't fool me now. I, I just got to know, is there anything, or are there any stains or any stuff about me that will block me from coming into relationship with Jesus? Is there any justification? Is there any foundation? Is there any motivation or situation that can stop me from coming to Jesus just as I am? Now, mind you, the origin of his question is deeply rooted in his recent rejection at the temple back in Jerusalem. Now, now, now remember, he's an Ethiopian. He's not Jewish. Therefore, he is classified as a Gentile. While Gentiles were allowed in the temple for worship, they had to sit in a separate section designated as the Gentile section. In other words, they told him in essence, now, you, you, you know, you, got, you can come here, but you got to sit over here. And therefore, while they were inside the temple, they were made painfully aware of the reality that they were not considered full-fledged family members because they were Gentiles and they were not Jews. This is in his mind. He's trying to deal with that, and yet he's just heard Philip say, you can get in. Yeah. Uh, they were made painfully aware of the reality that, that they were not considered full-fledged family members. Let's, let's label this rejection his external dilemma. 
Yeah. Now, he is also dealing with an internal dilemma, which was predicated on the fact that he was a eunuch. Typically, a eunuch was a man who had been castrated. Castration made him suitable to be in charge of a harem of women and to guard the bedside of those women, like the eunuch in the book of Esther, whose job was to prepare beautiful women to meet the king so the king could select his next queen without having to worry about the man in charge of them having gone there, help me somebody, before he got there, if you know what I mean. Ah, priest pastor. I'm trying to handle it, y'all, with integrity. So what they did was they made him a youth. They made you. They castrated them. And when they castrated them, then there was no issue. They paid him well. He had a chariot. Lots of money. But he was a eunuch. The, the internal dilemma for the unit was that in the eyes of humanity, in the eyes of people, you know how we, how, we, how we size people up. In the eyes of humanity, he would never become a full-fledged member of God's family because of his physical condition. Why? Because there were no surgeries, no medical maneuvers, no procedures that could undo his physical condition. Therefore, at best, he would live life as an outsider. So now he's dealing with this in his mind because he just heard Philip preach. And just heard Philip say, you can get in. Deuteronomy 23 and 1 states the matter in this fashion. He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation, that was the eunuch, shall not enter the assembly of God. So it is, this man no doubt leaves Jerusalem. He's confused. He's embarrassed. He's ashamed. He's doomed to spend his life as a second-class religious citizen. According to the teachings at the temple in Jerusalem, he could not become a full-fledged member. But one man, one man had the audacity to preach Jesus to him on a desert road, one man following the auspices, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, one man whose life is empowered by the Holy Spirit preached to him on a desert road, one man who left a crowd to go out to help one because God told him to do it, preached. And from that preaching, the eunuch heard the words of hope. If anybody here, you've ever heard the words of hope? You were down and out, but you heard the words of hope. Folk told you you didn't have no hope, but somebody had the audacity to tell you that there was hope. 
Somebody told you never be any good. Somebody told you would never amount to anything. Somebody told you that nobody else would want you, but you got hope. Somebody preached hope to you. And the words of hope flooded his soul with joy. But just to make sure, just to make sure, he asked the question, is there anything about me that can stop me from getting all the way in? In other words, he said like this, I'm a leper, and I cannot change my spots. I'm, I'm like a zebra. I can't amend my stripes. I'm like a lion. I can't adjust my roar. I'm like a rabbit. I can't revive the size of my ears. They are flopping, but I can't change that it is what it is I am who I am what you see is what you get and so I just want to make sure now don't fool me now I just want to make sure I just left the temple and they told me about God but they said I couldn't get in because of who I am but now you telling me I can't get in I just want some clarity I need you to break it. I need you to tell. I can't stand to have my heart broken again. Anybody been in a situation like that? You meet somebody. You've been through some stuff. Life has been hard for you. And you tell them, listen, listen, listen. I know you're interested in me, but I got to tell you who I am, and I ain't going to play no games. What you see is what you get. So I just got to know, are you serious about this thing? If you serious, we can go somewhere. If you playing games, if you shucking and jive, I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time for the play play. So the eunuch, the eunuch was a prototype. See, the eunuch was a prototype of the kind of people you and I meet every day. People who want to know from us. People who aren't playing games. People who want to know, will Jesus, I'm talking about that Jesus you're talking about. I'm talking about that Jesus you go over that good hope and, and, and worship. I'm talking about that Jesus you talked about that suffered and bled and died for your sin. I'm talking about that Jesus you say change you. I want to know, will he take me? And will he take me just as I am? People are living, people are living with pain and regret. Some people are living with the pain and the regret of divorce, and they want to know, will Jesus take me? Some people are living with the pain and regret of abortions, but they want to know, will Jesus take me? Some people are living with the pain and regret of having lived immoral lifestyles. They've done just about everything they were big enough to do. They smoked the dope. They've drank the alcohol. They've done all that they can do, but they want to know, will Jesus take me? Will he take me like I am? Some folk got prison records, but they want to know, will he take me? 
Oh, I know you've been saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled all your life. You ain't never did nothing wrong. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about I've been messed up. I've been down. I've been living like a I want to know. I want to know. I can't help myself. I want to know. If I could change my past, I would. If I could go back, I would. But I just want to know, will your Jesus take me? Yeah. Some people, some people wish they could turn, could take hold of the proverbial clock. And turn back the hands of time. Y'all remember that? If I could turn back the hands of time. Some people wish they could grab hold of the gear shift of life and throw that thing in reverse. Back it up. Back it up. And go in a different direction. But they can't. But the good news is this, they don't have to. None of us don't have to. Good news in verse 37 is the ice is on the cake. Then Philip said, if you believe, if you believe, if you believe with all your heart, you may. He answered and said, I believe. I got my spots. I believe. I'm a eunuch. I believe. I'm a Gentile. I believe. Some folks say, I've done some bad stuff, but I believe. He said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of the living God. So he commanded the chariot. I like this, to stand still. Uh Uh-huh, that's what he said. Listen, hold up. I see some water out there. I'm ready to go in. Stop this entourage. Stop this motorcade. Yeah, stop this parade. Stop this, stop this processional. I'm ready to go in. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that you got saved? Anybody remember that you came down the aisle? Anybody remember when you heard it said that just as I am? He said, hold up. The book says both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. When he came up out of the baptismal water, the spirit of the Lord took Philip to another setting and the eunuch, get this, went on his way. Rejoicing. I'm so glad. Jesus lifted me when I was in trouble. Jesus lifted me when I was down. Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad. Jesus lifted me. Glory. Any glories in the house? Glory! Anybody can say glory! 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 Hallelujah! Jesus! 
Ah, Jesus lifted me. Amen. God has.